Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Great day to be in the basement. It's great to see you. Thank you for being here. I'm sitting here in my actual basement just emotionally hungover and yet simultaneously exhilarated from what we saw over the past couple of days in the NFL. When last I left you, when last we left each other, we were in the middle of the Seahawks-Rams game. It was just wrapping up. I was doing the Sunday night episode and I had no idea what was going to happen. Oh man, and Lions versus Packers. And I cannot believe how it ended. I'm going to get to that shortly. I'm going to talk about the teams that did not get into the playoffs because I am not here for their crying and lamentations that we should have, we should have, we should have, we belong in. No, you don't. No one has ever not made the playoffs who deserves to be in. There's no deserve. We'll get to that in a second too. Um, Cliff Kingsbury fired. How many people are at the party at Cliff Kingsbury's house right now? And how many of them are single women? Probably 90%. That might be the greatest thing that Cliff Kingsbury's ever heard. Change in Arizona, but great news for Cliff Kingsbury. I'll get into that. We have an awesome takes on takes today. They're heating up. They're heating up as we round into the postseason. We have a takes on takes. We have brand awareness. We do what we always do, all right? And we always start with what I love, what I hate, and what's hilarious. Let's go. Come on. I love that the Lions beat the Packers. I do. I love it because I cannot believe that that actually happened. When I was in seventh grade, the Lions beat the Cowboys in the playoffs. Thumped them. Completely one-sided. Beat the hell out of them. This win last night against the Packers was, I think, the biggest win since then. And I also think it was the biggest Lions win, second biggest Lions win of my lifetime. Last night, a game in which they were not eligible for the playoffs, in which they beat a floundering Packers team, was the second biggest Lions win of my entire lifetime. That's it. That's how massive that was. It's a terrible commentary on the Lions at large, but it's an amazing commentary on them right now in 2023. I cannot believe they won that game. Did you watch the whole thing? Did you wake up and see the headline, especially if you're on the East Coast and have to work this morning, that the Lions beat the Packers in Lambeau with Rodgers? Were you not shocked? Don't get me wrong. I feel I should apologize to the Lions by being so surprised because I'm judging them based on decades of, of history rather than the last two months of football. I just, you see the logo for the Lions and you see the logo for the Packers and you see them in that stadium in this time of the calendar and you're like, how many touchdowns did the Packers win by? They don't, they lose. Just a stunning, exhilarating, incredible victory for the Detroit Lions. And if it was winning in, sure. They weren't even playing for squat. God, that was a cool victory. Do you know how much buy-in you have to have how much respect you have to have as a coach to get your players to show up and play that hard in a game that really means nothing in the scheme of things, I guess to them it means a lot. But they did it. There was all this talk about, well, they weren't watching the game. Guys, they knew what the score was. They knew before they started the game that that would be their last game. And this cool story where the Lions get to the playoffs, it's over. They're not going to the playoffs, just like they never go to the playoffs and they still beat the Packers. And they didn't just sit there and kind of hold serve and let the Packers implode. They took it to them. 
They're running trick plays in the last couple minutes. They're going for it on fourth and one. They're passing on fourth and one. That was just exhilarating. I, I, the lines have never been cooler to me, never been sexier. You can take the Calvin Johnson era, which amounted to nothing in the win column or the postseason. You can take Barry Sanders. It was beautiful. I feel like I grew up on it and fell in love with the football because of it. That one win in Green Bay was so cool and so badass and so tough and so gritty because there's no motivation other than just good old-fashioned pride. It's so cool. It's just so cool. Think about it. Let's try to put it in our terms. Let's say you have um, a huge presentation at work and you've worked six months on this thing. And this is going to be a massive promotion with a huge salary increase. And you're going to get a new office and you're going to get a company car and you're going to get all these amazing things. But it's you and this other person and that person is also trying to get that vice president job with all these benefits and they're going to try to help their family and they're going to move into a more comfortable neighborhood with their family and they're going to take their family on the vacation and they're going to get it. You're both working on it for six months and you've gone against this person that worked before and you've gotten jobs from them. They've gotten jobs from you, but this is the big one. This is the really, really big one. And they've been tearing down the stretch in this fiscal quarter, just getting every account and every client and they're just, they look great. And you know, they're going to go into the conference room and pitch to the board. And then after them, you are. And just imagine that before you go in to make your pitch, you learn that you, you can't get the job and the job is gone and they're going, it's going to somebody else and you don't get the raise and you don't get the office and you don't get the car and you don't get anything and your kid doesn't get to go on vacation, whatever it may be. But you know, you can try again next year. We might have an opening up next year and you still go in and you still go into that conference room and you still stand there and look at that board and you still say, ladies and gentlemen, Here's what I have prepared for you today. And you lay it out and you've got charisma and you hit your facts and then you occasionally mix in a few jokes and you've got your closing line and the board stands up and gives you a round of applause. This is incredible. You have a really bright future. You're not getting this job because we gave it to the other guy, but we have our eye on you. That amounts to nothing. No bonus, no pay, no nothing, but we really have our eye on you. And you walk out of there and you feel like, wow, I feel incredible. I didn't get the job. I'm going to go home to my same apartment and have to tell my wife I didn't get the job, but I still was pretty cool in that room. They were pretty cool in that room. That's what the Lions did last night, and you have to respect the hell out of it. Who are you picking to win the NFC North next year? Let me just ask you. Why not? It's a little late, if anything. It's the Monday after the regular season. Who do you have for next year's NFC North? Vikings win it again. Bears stock up with 50 new players. Lions keep the momentum going and are really good. What in the holy hell is going on with the Packers? Do you think Rodgers is coming back? And a more interesting question, especially if you're in Green Bay or if you're a fan of the Packers around the country, do you want him to come back or is it just time? Is it just, is it, it's just, he's great. He's, he's maybe the best ever. He's the best I've ever seen in my life. But it just, does it feel like it's just, you know what, Aaron, it's time. Just go. It's not working. It didn't work all year. This run that they went on for the Packers at the end of the season, that was not because Rodgers got hot. It was not because Rodgers started to cook. It's not that at all. Their defense started intercepting everything in the sky. They started getting crazy turnovers, and Christian Watson carried them through November, cooled off in December, but they ran and played defense in December, and they beat some bad teams, and they had a couple good victories. And then when they played Jared Goff in the last game of the season, he didn't throw him three interceptions, so they couldn't win. They scored 16 points. That's it. That will, you'll lose 29 times out of 30 scoring 16 points. It just doesn't work that way. So they never got it together. Is they never found their mojo. They never started cooking on offense. They cooked on defense for a while. And the four-time MVP just either 
couldn't figure it out with the pieces around him. The pieces around him weren't good enough. His game is deteriorated. It's one of them. It's one of these things. It might be all of them, but it can't be none of them. And I just thought they'd figure it out. Didn't you just think they would figure it out? Because they're the Packers and they were playing the Lions of the team that always figures it out and the team that never figures it out. And that storyline was switched and that was incredible. I love that the Lions won that game just for the pure change and the breath of fresh air and the shock and awe about the dumb blue lion beat the green and yellow G and they did it in a really important time in a really special place and it's just stunning. Stunning. Out. Packers. Done. Fourth and one. Jared Goff. Complete it. Get off the field. See you later. Retire if you want to, but you're done. I can't believe that happened. I'm still shocked. I'm still exhilarated by it. It's just the ending of the movie where you cannot believe it went that way, but you really like it. In fact, I love it. Let's get to what I hate though. All right, so I was just very kind and very exhilarated by the Lions, but this segment's not gonna go as well for them. Here's what I don't like. Right now, today, last night, a little bit tomorrow, but mostly today, the Monday after the final games of the regular season is deserve day. What's deserve day? That's when fans, media members, sometimes even players, sometimes coaches, stomp their feet and say, man, we deserve to get in. We deserved. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. There's the Unforgiven. You know the old movie, One Best Picture? It's Gene Hackman, it's Clint Eastwood, and at the end of the movie, Clint Eastwood <laughs> goes all intense, and he's standing over Gene Hackman, and he's about to blow him away, and Gene Hackman says, but <laughs> I, I don't deserve this. I, I'm building a house. I don't deserve this. You know what Clint says to him? Clint says this. Deserves got nothing to do with it. Damn right, Clint. Deserves got nothing to do with it. I hear it every year. But they, they were hot coming down the stretch. They're playing better football than some of these teams that got in. Doesn't matter. We deserve to get in. Deserves got nothing to do with it. There's team every year. There's crops of teams whose fan base say, we could take them on right now and we would beat them by two touchdowns, but they get to go to the... Doesn't matter. It's not who plays the best football in December. It's who plays the best football in the season. Packers, we thought they deserved to be into it. Well, they got a four-time MVP, and they got a coach who makes the playoffs every year, and they got a running game, and they got da 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 no, no. You guys were terrible for three quarters of the season and terrible in the game that mattered most, especially on offense. You could do nothing. You got beat by a hook and ladder play on the last drive of the game. You had one touchdown in a game at home against a team that you've slapped around for 30 years. You don't deserve you get in the playoffs, and even if you did deserve it, tell them, Clint. Deserves got nothing to do with it. And that brings me to the Lions. I'm buddies with some Lions fans. <laughs> in person, I see them. I text with them. I see them online. We, 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 we should have been in. We beat the Packers. We've been very good down the stretch. Find me a better team right now in, in, in the NFC other than the, than the Cowboys or in the, than the Niners and the Eagles. Find someone who's playing better football than us. I don't need to. It's not the way it works. It's not a beauty pageant. You don't finish the season and line up in front of some judges and make your presentation. It's, it's based on, on factual-based meritocracy, wins and losses. For any Lions fans who say, we deserve to be in the playoffs, guys, it's a whole season. You got crushed 
by a decent Dallas Cowboys team that's going to the playoffs. You got shut out by the worst Patriots team that I've seen in a quarter century. You gave up 400 yards rushing, I think, in the first quarter to the Carolina Panthers. You don't deserve to go to the playoffs. You didn't win enough games. You won a lot down the stretch. Personally, I would have liked to see you get in the playoffs. Kind of would have liked to see the Rams win that game over the Seahawks so you can get in the playoffs. So you don't deserve to get to the playoffs. And even if you did, deserves got nothing to do with it. How about a team who's very often in the playoffs? How about a team who I feel like invented the playoffs? Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers. Now, I don't hear a lot of complaining from them because the Steelers fan base, some a very dignified fan base. I respect them. They're national, they're international. They're, they were reared on banners and championships and rings and greatness. And yet here they are and they won seven of their last nine games. Pretty impressive. Seven of their last nine games with a rookie quarterback. And yet, you shouldn't be in either. You were three and seven. You were two and six. Your coach, who never has a losing season, just ask anybody, decided, yeah, I think we'll go into the year with Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky, I think, will guide us through. No, Mitch Trubisky is what he is. We've known for a long time. He was not going to be a quarterback that brought the Steelers to the playoffs. It wasn't going to happen. Um, scored 10 points against Miami Dolphins. 10. Like, those are the kind of games you lose, and it's like, maybe you could have scored a few more points and won that game. Then you get into the playoffs. Don't come in here and tell me at the last second that win, 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 win. What about September? What about October? It, look, it's tough. You lost TJ Watt for a long time. Football's a tough sport, guys. Steelers, you basically invented it. And you basically invented football. You should understand football. Don't come around right now and saying, yeah, but we're playing better football than the Dolphins. We deserve to be in. We're playing better football than the Chargers or the Jaguars or anybody in the AFC, you know, not named Bills, Chiefs, and Bengals. We deserve to be in the playoffs. Pittsburgh, I love you. You're beautiful. Deserves got nothing to do with it. Tell him, Clint. Deserves got nothing to do with it. Have I made myself clear? Deserves got nothing to do with it. You go home, you work, you come back next year. Every single year, the teams that should get in, get in. The teams that shouldn't, should not. There's no snubs. It's right there. Win enough games, score enough points, stop them from scoring enough points, you get in. If you don't do those things, you go on vacation. That's the way it works. It's never been unfair. It is not a judgment. It is not subjective. Win, get out of here. Win all year, not the last week, not the last month. I don't want to hear it. Deserves got nothing to do with it. Let's get though to what's hilarious. I like this topic. All right, so Cliff Kingsbury. Imagine what he's doing today. Let's say uh, he's, uh, he's at home and uh, man, we lost again last night and it got back really late at night and I crashed and I woke up and I'm, I'm having one of those green smoothie drinks in my cool desert house and uh, I get a call and it's, it's, uh, it's the owner of the Cardinals, Mr. Bidwill. And I look at my phone and is he thinking, oh, please, please, please don't fire me. Please don't fire me. No. He answers it. Uh-huh. 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 And Mr. Bidwell says, uh, Cliff, it's been great, but we're going to let you go and we're going to move in another direction. Well, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Bidwell. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. And he hangs up and he goes, yes! Yes! 
He's jumping up like Michael Jordan doing the fist pump. Oh my gosh. He immediately starts calling all his friends, and by friends I mean girlfriends. Come on over. We're gonna hire a DJ, open bar, the infinity pool's here. I'm gonna open those doors with their glass doors and you can just push them into the wall and open up the whole thing to the pool. I got my bathing suit on. I am so excited, I'm having a party. Oh my gosh. Now listen, Cliff, I'm sure he has great relationships with his players. He needed a lot of dignity and, and respect for having one of the 32 head coaching positions. And absolutely, sure, great, great. You really think that Cliff Kingsbury wanted to stay there in Arizona? especially given that he just signed a massive contract that the Cardinals will now have to pay out for years for him to do nothing, for him to sit there uh, and his chase lounge and, and sip some sort of a pina colada with God knows who next to him. They'll pay him for that. Millions of dollars for that. The alternative would have been, Cliff, you know, we still believe in you. We're going to bring you back. Oh, great. So you're telling me that all right, I'm gonna return this year, and then I gotta be at bleeping Indianapolis in a few weeks for the combine. I'm gonna return this year. We're Kyler coming off a knee blowout in which he's probably gonna need a year to get back up to speed and won't be the same explosiveness if we even get him back on the field, who knows when. He's probably gonna be cantankerous as hell. We already don't have a great relationship. We're already avoiding each other in the hallway, my suspicion. We don't text, we don't like each other. The working relationship is completely deteriorated and that's just the quarterback. In the meantime, the GM, who also had an extension, Steve Kime, is uh, away dealing with some sort of personal issue off the field and we wish him luck. But I don't know what the front office situation is gonna be. Are we replacing him? Can we even replace him? If so, what is the plan for the off season? What are, what are we gonna do? I'm gonna come back to that? I've had three cracks at this thing. We bottomed out, we had a terrible season. Oh, by the way, that was cataloged and documented on HBO for the entire season. So every time we got our head kicked in every week, they gotta show my speech afterwards saying, guys, you know, we're just gonna execute better, whatever the hell it is. I can put up with all that. I can run that back. Or they can fire me and I can go travel the world and date some Swiss model and get in my private plane while I collect million dollar checks for doing bupkis for the same employer. Uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna be, hope I get fired. It's an amazing thing. I didn't know that the Cardinals were gonna do this. I knew the situation. I knew that they extended them and that they owe them a lot of money over a lot of years. So. It's obviously a disaster. Terrible season. He and Kyler are not a thing. You've gotten three years. You haven't, you haven't gotten to the playoffs. The GM I mentioned. So something's got to go. Kyler's not going to go. I don't know what's going to go on with Steve Kahn, the GM, who I'm a huge fan of personally and professionally, and I wish him the best in luck, whatever he's dealing with. Or the coach has to go. You can't, you can't run that party back. It was palpably uh, toxic. The results were not there. So... You either fire Cliff Kingsbury, which they did, and just say, terrible business, we'll have to just pay him, which just, you don't want to operate your business like that. We don't want to, we're going to bring in a new coach, we have to pay him a bunch of money, then we're still playing Kingsbury. It's just, I know they're an NFL franchise and they got money coming out of their ears. You don't want to run your business like that. It's terrible. Or you're like, no, like, we're not going to do that. Bring Cliff back, bring him back, and we'll try year number four of this thing, and maybe we can sniff a wild card but at least he'll be earning that money we pay him. Nope, that's how bad it was. That's how bad that they had to get rid of him because maybe they were hoping that Cliff would walk away. 
Cliff would just say, I, I, listen, Kyler and I are not working out, and I feel it'd be best for me in this organization for me to just walk away. And they'd say, great, quit, we won't have to pay you. We're, we're, that, that's their best case scenario. He wasn't quitting. He sat there, and this wasn't something that dragged out either, where the last game of the season happens, and then it's a few days, or even a week, or two weeks. Nope. This thing happened, I don't know, about noon Eastern, which is 9 a.m. Pacific. They didn't have to think about squat. And the GM's not even in the building, as far as I know. But my God, can you imagine what Cliff's doing right now? Cliff is probably hammered. Either that, or he's like at some spa with some cucumbers on his eyes, or he has his own spa in his house. I just think he probably has a lot of friends over right now, and God bless him. He is probably so happy and so relieved to be done with that, to be paid out for years, and to now just, the world is his oyster. Do whatever you want. You wanna do some football? Sure, consult a little bit or something. Dip your toe in a little college, watch some football, do this, do that, or not. Go and go to Indonesia and live for a couple years and do whatever the hell you want. Oh, that's great. Again, look, great relationships with his players. Probably has a lot of respect for that job. And, you know, he this sort of meteoric rise through college where he did not have massive winning success and got the job anyway. And I'm sure he feels a little heavy hearted about that. But looking forward, man, that's a great call. Because the other call is either you have to quit or we're bringing you back. And you're like, I think I'm done here, guys. What a call. I met Cliff, uh, I've met Cliff a couple times, got an interview him on the air, but I hung out with him off the air this past off season. And his vibe is just like a totally regular guy. There's no um, like gym teacher type football coach with him about, yo, I gotta get out of this party so I can go back and hit the film or I gotta get talk to the players. It's just like, hey, how you doing, man? It's good to meet you. Yeah, it's great to finally meet. It was as if you were just talking to one of your friends. I really mean that. He's very tall and he's very fit and he's very well-dressed in expensive clothes. But the way he talks to you is just like you just shoot the bleep, basically. Didn't talk about football. He laughs very easily. He has jokes himself. I found him very likable. And so I have not enjoyed watching how this has gone down with him because I was hoping for success because he was a breath of fresh air and he was different in some of the similar ways that Mike McDaniel's different for the playoff for the Dolphins. Difference is Mike McDaniel's in the playoffs. Cliff never has been. But man, I'll take it back to the your own job analogy. <laughs> you get a call from your job that you're, they're gonna continue to pay you to do nothing for three years. Just don't come to work, don't call, don't email, and the checks will continue to show up. It's unfathomable. I can't even possibly imagine it, especially if your job was going really poorly like his was, and the person who your job is really dependent on was not speaking to you and is gonna come back and not have a good ability to do their job because of an injury. Insane. It's hilarious the idea that Cliff probably turned up his phone and immediately Turned off his phone and immediately started calling friends to come over and party because it's over. Great run. I wish we could have done it, but oh my God, let's let the good times roll. Uh, speaking of good times, let's move on here to something. This is going to be a fiery one. A Monday after the regular season, it's time for Takes on Takes. All right, I'm gonna give my takes on the hot takes. It's very simple. I have numbers and we have categories. Delivery, creativity, and heat. Those are the three things I'm looking for for whatever uh, 
provocateur or journalist or, oh, blowhard, who the hell knows who we have here and there come up on this segment. Um, I can tell you, actually, we have ESPN's first takes, Stephen A. Smith. Have you heard of Stephen A. Smith? And Stephen A. has been nine times in takes on takes. He's sub 500, though. He only has a four and five career record and averages a seven. Although he scored a nine in each of his last two appearances. So he's getting hot. Stephen A. Smith takes issue with the freshly eliminated from playoff contention Packers quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. Stephen A. Smith, go get him. Going into the game, what does Aaron Rodgers do? Well, you know, it was, you know, the memories have been great. I mean, you know, no matter what, I mean, hey, we, it's been a good ride and there's a lot of farm. That's how he was talking prior to the game. You wore an NFL uniform. You wore an NFL uniform. If the star of the team, the franchise, who happens to be the quarterback, is talking like that before the damn game, after getting 50 million, after getting this bag, after making all of this noise over the last few years, what the hell would you be thinking? What would you be saying? And let me tell you what it is. Now, mind you, ain't never played football, never wanted to play football. Hell no. Legs too slim for that. I wasn't trying to play football. Skinny ankles. Okay, damn right. You too. Don't, don't act like you don't know. The point that I'm trying to make to you is this. You sit up there. I don't have to be a football player to know. If you on my team and you the face of the franchise and you talking like that, we got a problem. Going into the game. Now, all of that after the game is fine. But going into the game, one thought should have been in your mind. Man, we better win this damn game. We got business to handle. Ain't got time to be thinking about all of that. I got to do this. And that man was not doing that. I went the hell off. My man Pat McAfee brought me on the show. I mean, you're going off on that run. I said, did I stutter? I said, what the hell I said? Now, minute. How the hell you going in to the game with a playoff berth on the line? And you like, well, you know, the memories have been really, really nice. I mean, what? <laughs> that last part was funny. Was the sidebar entirely necessary where Stephen A talked about why he didn't play the game? What did he say he had? Small ankles or something? <laughs> you might not believe it from that clip, but I was having trouble hearing it despite how loud he was. With Rogers, listen. I, I think it's hard to critique him for the way he talks about retirement because he's always asked about his retirement. He was always asked about that, and this is for four or five years now. And what I always respect about Rogers, especially certainly in the media, is he he always tries to answer every question as best as he can. He doesn't say we just have to execute better or we're taking it one gate at a time or we're just we're just trying to, to play complimentary football. He he really thinks and he tries to answer. And if you say, what are you thinking about your retirement? He will sincerely tell you what he's thinking about his retirement. I also think that that has been tougher this year because he's um, has less of a filter as the years go on. And I think he has known what time it is with this team from Jump Street. What I mean by that is I think he has always known this team doesn't have it that this team is not a special team, that probably this team isn't a playoff team. Now, he says the right things in terms of, well, we just got to get hot, we can win one, and we're getting all the help that we need. But I, I feel like there's never really been a twinkle in his eye like when he has a special team and watch out for us. I don't think he was 
probably all that shocked last night that they lost that game, even at home in January in Lambeau to a dome team like the Lions. So when he talks about his retirement, I think he can't help but get a little whimsical because he knows like, it's not happening. I'm not gonna get fireworks and rainbows and ride out on a white horse and go to the Super Bowl in this last year. We don't have it on this team. Maybe I don't have it on this team. I think he knows football really well and can look around at any given moment during the season and say, yeah, this is not the group. And I think he's been dealing with that for the last six months and he's known. So he's asked a lot about his retirement. He's candid about it. And also I think he's a little nostalgic and melancholy because he knows this is, could be his last season and this team doesn't have it. If you were to make me answer, force my hand and say, do I think Rodgers is coming back next year? I still think he is. Like 52% of me thinks that he's coming back. But that's not what this segment is about. I'm totally off track. Stephen A, uh, I, it was loud Stephen A today. We haven't had him in a while. He made me laugh at the end of it. And he had a pretty unique take, which is don't be getting all dopey and, and, and weepy about your retirement before a playoff game. So listen, I'm just going to give him a good solid seven. I respect Stephen A's firepower. And he this was not his eight or nine or ten. That'll be coming. Believe me, when the Cowboys, if the Cowboys lose this weekend um, against Tampa it'll be must-see theater on Monday. We'll do takes on takes about Stephen A. We'll do a whole segment. He'll compete against himself. But we have to finish the segment here. Because across the table, I mean, of course, on ESPN's first take, Michael Irvin... Oh, man. <laughs> I have not... See, I never see these clips until you guys see it. My, it says here, Michael Irvin's going to come to the defense of the Cowboys. The, uh, the, the or, uh, defense of the Cowboys... They lost to the Commanders 26-6. The Commanders started a rookie quarterback. The Cowboys looked awful on offense across the board, like in no shape to start a playoff game. And it says Mike's going to come to their defense. I cannot wait. He needs a beat of seven. He averages a 6.7 on this segment. Michael Irvin, the floor is yours. Takes on takes. And in week 18, it's, it's so hard to determine you know, uh, uh, every, yeah, to get everybody on the same page because everybody is not on the same page. We got guys that, that say they're not playing and don't want to play, then they do play. It becomes a mess week 18. So I'm going to give them just a little bit of a pass here. <laughs> just a little bit of a pass because I do believe in the end this will help us win down in Tampa. I really do. Because Dallas played great. the worst game of the year yesterday. The worst game of the year yesterday. Now, there was nothing on the line. I have to remember this. I'm the one that's always standing here telling me it's not just skill. It's also will. You have to have a hunger for these games. And every time you go in a game, you got to match the hunger of the next man across from you. Dallas didn't do that yesterday. The commanders wanted to play yesterday. Dallas was looking towards the playoffs yesterday and went right past the commanders. We saw that. That's what happened. I will give y'all this little small moment in here today. But the reality is we're on to Tampa. We have moved on to Tampa, and we're looking at Tom Brady as a gift. That's why I got on this red and green suit like Santa Claus. Tom finna deliver us a good win for the first round. Does the suit have to do with anything? When I start the segment and say I'm looking for delivery, creativity, and heat, that is some heat. That's what I'm looking for. That's the goods. Heat meaning you just took a putrid Cowboys performance against an established rival in their last game before they start the playoffs, 
And Mike said, I think that was a good thing for the Cowboys. All right, go on. And some sort of cockamamie explanation about how in week 18, you don't really know, no one knows if they're playing, if they're not playing, <laughs> what? Yes, they do. And, and then the shots of Orlovsky just laughing, and then Stephen A is doing his pro wrestling thing, which I respect and I like. That was really funny. Because I had no idea where Mike was going with that. And I figured, ah, whatever, one bad day. He said, no, no, no. That wasn't one bad day. Guys, that was a good thing. It's tough week 18. Mike's never played a week 18 game. That's okay. They didn't have 18, 17 games when he played. It's tough week 18. You don't know if you're playing. You don't know if you're not playing. Man, that must have felt like heavy lifting for him. Like he had a lot of weight on that bar. And he's like, I think I need a spot on this one. That was a terrible Cowboys game. And he says it's a good thing. And then stuck the landing with it three weeks late Santa Claus reference in reference to his, his own wardrobe. Guys, am I going to do it? Am I going to do it? I can't. Yeah. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to give him a nine. Michael Irvin gets the win. Nine over a seven. Made me laugh. Delivery's great. Um, the comedy was there. The heat was definitely there. I Imagine if the, if the Cowboys lose 31 to nine to Tampa. What is Michael Irvin going to say? If your media presence and so much of the, what people look to you for is thoughts of positivity on the Cowboys, what do you say? Like, I, don't, I would love to look up what he said last year after they melted down against San Francisco, but at least that was like on the game-winning drive and they just messed up this very awkward sequence. What if they just get crushed? What if Dak throws three interceptions with a pick six and they get destroyed by a very middling Tampa Bay Buccaneers team? That'll be great. That'll be great. In the meantime, there's a win for the Cowboys. 9-7, Michael Irvin beats Stephen A. Smith, and the win is for all of humanity when we get Michael Flynn on camera. Let's go to Brant Awareness. Flynn, you're sort of a sommelier of takes on takes. What'd you think of that one? Uh, I thought it was great. I was really, really hoping for the 10. It came just short. Uh, I almost put Orlovsky in there, his response to Irvin. His, the beginning of his take right after was, quote, that take you just gave on national television is about as scratchy as that corduroy suit you have on, end quote. <laughs> and, and, then he, and then he just attacked all of Irvin's take. It was a good segment. It was a lot of possibilities in that. That's great. Listen, the 10 is coming. The 10 may be coming next week, but we have not had a 10. We've been doing this all season. The 9 is the highest we've gone. We'll get that 10. It's coming. What do you got for me? I'm waiting for it. Uh, let's talk Black Monday. You touched on Cliff earlier. Other big move around the league. The Texans fired Lovey Smith after they landed back in Houston late last night, their second straight one-year-and-done head coach. As for who is staying put, you talked about Belichick in the take buffet last night. He said earlier today that he'll be returning for his 24th season as Pat's head coach and that the process of turning the page to next season begins later today. Kyle, overall thoughts on Black Monday in the NFL? Well, um, you know, you were, we were looking for sure at Lovey and people are looking to see what the Panthers are going to do, which as of we're recording this right now, I guess they haven't done anything. Uh, I, I've covered the Cliff Kingsbury thing heavily earlier in the show. It was interesting to see Belichick, I think. Not that I'm surprised that he's coming back, but it wouldn't have shocked me if he left. I mean, that's a massive piece of news if he leaves, but it's not like any of us would have been flabbergasted. I still think that he is 
a couple years away from handing this off to his son as the head coach, which I still believe he's going to do. I noticed that he was asked a pretty direct question about Mac Jones, and it was something about, you know, do you think Mac Jones is the leader for this team going forward or something like that? And his answer was like, Mac can play and win football in, in this league. Like it was, it was a non-answer. Um, he wasn't going to declare a start or anything like that. And then above and beyond, look, the Lovey Smith thing always seemed very strange. David Culley becomes a first-time head coach last year. They whack him in the wake of this Deshaun Watson thing. And then it was like they just wanted to get like a, an adult in the room. And instead of doing some like kind of new, exciting, bold choice, they go with Lovey Smith, who is a great football man, but not exciting or bold. And it's I, I, the Texans are so strange. I, I can't see them hiring some young, like, not even young, just unique, bold choice. Um, they'll they'll bounce back from this and do something bizarre. Like you think, oh, the Miko Ryans, that's perfect. Do anything you want to get him, to bring him back to Houston. Or do the enemy thing finally. Or do, I feel like they're gonna do something strange. Like they're gonna do some old retread who is out of coaching right now, or they're gonna take some strange college coach that's a different type of organization. It's really strange. And um, listen, I talked about this extensively. I think that was a massive mistake to win that game yesterday. And some people are triggered by that. About, you play football to win. It's naive. This is not a high school team. This is not a college team. They're running a business. And when that business is notably and significantly benefited from you playing your backups in a game that lets you lose 26 to 16, you do it. And if the coach won't do it, you're gonna fire him anyway. Let him go before the last game of the season. Say, we really wanna see what we get from the backups. We have a, we're very excited about their future and you play them. That's the way it works. Teams do it all the time. Did you notice that the Chicago Bears started Nathan Peterman at quarterback yesterday? Do you think that's a coincidence? Of course it's not. They didn't wanna win that game. Justin Fields was a little banged up. I'm sure he was. And I'm sure if it was the game to get into the playoffs, that Justin Fields would have been out there. The Bears know what time it is. Their GM and the head coach know, like, we've lost nine games in a row. Why would we mess around and play our starters and win the last game when we get the number one pick in the draft? The draft is what propels teams into being winners. You don't mess around with that. The Texans did. I don't blame Lovey Smith in any way for winning the game. I don't blame any of the players at all. Someone in the organization needs to make sure that doesn't happen. Even if he won, lost, he wouldn't be there anyway. That doesn't matter. Um, very strange, though. And uh, listen, th there may be more replacements here to come. I don't know, but so far... It's the afternoon right now. That's kind of the roundup, Flynn. Yeah, weird season for the Texans. They're quickly becoming more of an off-season team than an in-season team. I think we talked about them twice all season on the show. Once was week one, where Lovey yeah. played for the tie in overtime, and then in week 18, where, where, he where he played to lose the first overall pick. I think we'll be talking about them right. a lot more in the off-season than we did in the season. Moving on, uh, bad news for an already banged-up Dolphins squad. Ian Rappaport reporting that Raheem Mostert suffered a broken thumb in Sunday's win against the Jets. His status in serious doubt for Sunday's playoff game against the Bills. Your thoughts? I hate it because I love Mostert a lot. He's he's one of my favorite guys who's not like a star, but he just runs really hard. Uh, Raheem Mostert, we do angry runs on Tuesdays and Good Morning Football. He's probably going to win tomorrow. He's been nominated a bunch of times this year. He's won in the past. I really like him. Look, if you're a Bills fan, you're like, sweet. The Dolphins are coming here. We have no idea who the hell their quarterback is going to be. The last time we played them, Mostert is a beast. Their plan was going to be to try to beat us by running Mostert 30 times. And you're telling me he might be out? 
We're going to skate. I don't know what the line is going to be in this Bills-Dolphins game. It might be 15 points. I mean, a massive line. Because is Skylar Thompson going to start at quarterback? There's no way. They're going to do that? Because here's the choices. Buffalo fans, you're watching this on, on, on Monday. Here's the choices. Teddy Bridgewater seems to be up in the air. His hand is messed up. Skylar Thompson, who started this week, just no disrespect. He's not ready. He's not going to go to Buffalo and win that game. Mike Glennon is on the team. That Mike Glennon. They signed him. And they may just be like, Mike, you're a veteran, a pro, and you're six foot seven. Get the hell in there and chuck it around. And then the real dicey one is the Tua thing, where he's been in protocol twice this year. You've followed the story. Everybody knows it. But I don't know where he stands in terms of the team doctors. If the team doctors say, we've examined Tua, he passes all of our tests, he clears, he's fine, he's normal, he has all his function, he's ready. Could you possibly throw him back in there? And you might say, of course not. No, no, this is a human being. We have to think about us. Of course not. Of course. What we do in this company, in this business, is we play football games with healthy players when we can. We have a healthy player here, right here, who is going in a massive, massive game, a playoff game. We kind of need him. This is why we drafted him. The doctors say he's okay. And should we play him? Or do we just wait till next year? And is he at any less risk next year when we play him? So... The Dolphins thing is massive. It, the, and then it was just like, you're, as a Miami fan, you're down in the dumps about the quarterback situation. You say, well, Mostert's running really hard. And then I saw Rappaport's tweet about Mostert looks like he's not going to play. And even if he does, he won't be himself. I think the takeaway is this is a really bad luck for the Dolphins this year with injuries. And I really can't fathom any scenario where the Dolphins beat the Bills. Any given Sunday on and on, especially with divisional opponents. The Bills might win that game by three touchdowns. So if you're a Buffalo fan, you don't want to see somebody get hurt, but I think the load just got lighter. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you. And from an overall just fan of the league standpoint, you feel bad for the Dolphins, and you feel bad not being able to see a full, healthy team compete in the playoffs. Wow. It's a real letdown. Uh, finally, wow. if you made it this far in your fantasy league, you know that the Bills-Bengals game being canceled had repercussions on playoffs and championship games everywhere. One league decided their championship by drafting players on the players from their fantasy team onto a Madden team and watching a simulation between the two teams, and we have a video. Take a look and a listen. All right. Oh, my God. He's going to throw some stupid ass. Throw the ball! So to, to explain what you just saw, it was the fourth quarter. There's about 90 seconds left, and I believe it was a three-point game, and they're driving. It's fourth and ten. He completes the pass and then gets hit and fumbles and is recovered by the other team, and that guy lost his championship game because of Madden. So let's say uh, in my fantasy team, I had Justin Herbert and DeAndre Hopkins and Saquon and George Kittle, whoever, that's my team basically. I go to Madden and I put all those players on one team, just with the offensive line, who cares? And the defense, I guess, would be my fantasy defense as well. And then you play against each other and whoever wins the game straight up in a Madden simulation, you win the fantasy league? Yep, that's exactly what it was. And it's not playing against each other. They had no control over the teams. You just let the computer decide who's going to win that game and let it face itself. <laughs> it's kind of exciting to watch. Yeah. <laughs> to actually sit there and watch a Madden game and have beers and snacks and stuff. You know, look, we're in this golden age of fantasy league creativity, Flynn. Like, listen, I've been in the same league like many. We started our league in 2002. 
So 21 years in the league and it's just like, it, there's just trash talking, at least there used to be when we cared. There's no like, you go to a Waffle House and sit there for every hour of every, or you do this, or you do that. Do you have that in your fantasy league? Because I think I missed out on that era. I missed out on like, on Tinder, I missed out on that. And I missed <laughs> out on like creative fantasy league generation. No, I definitely missed out on, on both fronts there. I, I was never a huge fantasy person. I got back into it this year with mm. a few new colleagues and was in first place the whole year through just pure luck, no skill at all. And then final week of the season, we get into playoffs. I had Jalen Hurts, I had Tua, and I had no QB. So I lost pretty handedly. Mm. It, was, it was not good. Yeah, there's a generational thing now where it's just not enough to just Everybody coughs up a few bucks and you know, if you have the best team, you win and you win the pot. Like my brother is significantly younger than me. He's from a different generation and they do all these elaborate things if you win and then also like super elaborate if you lose. And it's just, it must be nice to not have any kids or just be like kind of starting your career where you don't, we have time to be like, what should, I'm gonna spend two hours thinking about what the person, not even who wins, who loses our fantasy league should do. Isn't that insane? It's absolutely insane. I don't, I barely have time to set my lineup as it is. I can't imagine having to put actual stakes on things and making the time for it. I used to write after every fantasy week, I would write a recap email of every matchup and it would take me like three hours to write it. And I would write it every week not for profit or not to publish, just amongst friends. So uh, I would say if you're young and you have time to do that stuff or you're not married, you don't have kids, keep doing it. It's, I kind of miss it in a way. I just missed that time. It was great, wasn't it? It was so great, yep. It was, all right, but we're out of it. Um, Flynn, uh, give us a live on the air update. Are we expecting Josh Allen on Kyle Brandt's basement tomorrow? We are leaning towards, yes, I think there will be an, an appearance by Josh Allen on Kyle Brand's basement tomorrow. Well, that's good. Uh, if you have Josh Allen on your fantasy team, you probably did pretty well. Flynn, we'll see you tomorrow. I got to throw a dart. Let's go to the sky cam. Tomorrow will be a Josh Allen Tuesday, we hope. Probably the biggest one we've ever had because we have a lot of ground to cover. We missed them last week. We have a playoff game this week. Um, the Josh Allen versus Mike Glennon matchup we've been waiting for. If I hit a bullseye, I don't have to do anything. If I hit that number, I have to do that topic. Oh, that was getting close, guys. That was getting close, but that's not it. That's a 13. Topic number 13. If you please, what can it be? My favorite cuisine. Oh, I love that question. I'm always so fat from the weekend on Mondays. I try not to think about food, but this is gonna ruin everything. Uh, I'll try to be concise here. When I was in college, I tried Indian food and it was the wrong order or a crappy place and I thought it was so disgusting that I didn't eat it for about 10 years. Now my wife and I like get excited and start texting each other like in the middle of the day about like Indian food tonight. It's, it's what happens when you get a little bit older, you get that excited about whatever takeout food you're gonna get. Indian food, I love it. Look, I love every cuisine pretty much, but there's some, there's like a vibe in our house when it's like Indian food night. And we're also just so basic. We just get chicken tikka masala and garlic naan, which if you don't know Indian food is like getting Italian and being like, I'll have the spaghetti and meatballs, please, sir. It's just so basic and so like, they, I've gone and ordered at Indian restaurants and you can actually hear the server rolling their eyes when you order the chicken tikka masala, don't care. It's unbelievably orange and delicious. 
and spicy and creamy and just, oh God, it's so good. I'm gonna have to eat it tonight. Indian food, that's it. Um, but right now, all I, wanna thank, all I wanna say is thank you guys for being here. Please come by tomorrow. The basement's always open for you. It's likely a Josh Allen Tuesday. All kinds of things to talk about. It's playoff season. This is why we're sports fans for right now. Thank you, you could have gone a lot of places. You came to the basement. Now please go out of the basement. If you don't mind, exit through the garage, close the door on your way out. See you tomorrow, guys.